The Chicago Bears have been more focused on the long term than the short term under general manager Ryan Poles. So it's important to check in on how that long term planning is going as we look at the three to five year plan from here. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we love our everydayers here on Locked On Bears. On the show today, I want to look more broadly at how the Bears are situated long term, right? That's the focus that the organization has been under for the last year or so. And it's a little bit harder to see that in real time. And so I want to make sure we take a step back and look at how this team stands. And there's a lot of different ways we can measure how well they're prepared for the long term. But in particular, I want to look at the quarterback position. And really, the bigger picture here is how the Bears compare to other teams in the long term. Are they actually doing a better job and are they more prepared for the long term, perhaps, than some other teams that ultimately may have shorter term goals and shorter term aspirations? But we'll look at the quarterback position because that's the most important part of a long term plan. We'll look at the sort of like capital, off-season capital that includes draft picks, but also salary cap flexibility in the present and the future. And more broadly than like the young talent on the roster and sort of the roster flexibility that you might have, as opposed to being sort of stuck and locked in with some of your expensive veteran players, you know, where the Bears sort of fall on that spectrum compared to other teams in the NFL. But I want to start with the quarterback position because any any sort of long-term prospect for a team is going to be most important what's happening under center. How set are they? Or I guess how, how, yeah, I guess how set are they at quarterback or more so like what, what ability do they have to, how secure are they at quarterback? What ability do they have to secure the quarterback position, right? Because there's, there's two sides of this for the Chicago bears. There's the, the potential of Justin Fields to develop into the type of franchise long-term savior quarterback that Bears fans have been hoping for for my entire lifetime and perhaps your entire lifetime as well. But there's also this idea too of even if Fields isn't specifically the guy, what 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 options do, do teams have to still secure the long-term quarterback position, even if it's not the guy currently under contract? And that's how I think about it when we look at like comparing teams, right? So for the Bears... They're in this great position where you've got fields, you're confident in fields, and you're pretty sure he's going to develop and become what you want him to be at the quarterback position. They also have the insurance that if for some reason fields is unable to do so, they have two first round picks in this upcoming draft to be able to use to potentially draft another quarterback if they really feel like fields is not the guy after this upcoming season. That's very good long-term quarterback control flexibility, right? It's not so much like it's set. I mean, it, it very well might be, but it, it's more like they both have a young quarterback that's developing that 
should be the guy, but also have a good backup plan in case this quarterback, for some reason, is not the guy. And that gives them a unique sort of security at the quarterback position to both have the guy and also have a backup plan. Not very many teams have a good backup plan at quarterback. They're kind of stuck with the guy that they hitched themselves to. You know, you think about all the teams that drafted quarterbacks this year. The Panthers will not have a backup plan if Bryce Young does not work out for them. You know, the, the Colts with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I mean, yes, those teams could use a future draft pick on another quarterback, but it's not as, like, clearly set up as a backup plan there. The only team that I think is in perhaps a better situation in this capacity is the Arizona Cardinals because they have Kyler Murray, who has been a high-level quarterback before and can still be a high-level quarterback in the NFL, has played quarterback in the NFL at a higher level than Justin Fields has up to this point. And they also have two first-round picks next year that are expected to both be higher first-round picks, perhaps, than either of the Bears' picks. The Cardinals have their own pick and the Houston Texans' first next year. So they stand in as an obstacle to where if the Cardinals want to draft a quarterback and a team like the Bears want to draft a quarterback, it will be difficult for the Bears to outbid the Cardinals to be able to get one. That That's from a, a draft capital standpoint that we'll get into more, where the Cardinals might be in a better position to make a quarterback change if needed than if the Bears were to need so. There's also the teams that just have young quarterbacks that are better than Justin Fields right now. You know, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, the Bills with Josh Allen, the Bengals with Joe Burrow, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, probably the the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, and maybe the Browns with Deshaun Watson, although that was kind of murky last season. Like, yeah, those teams have quarterbacks who are young enough and still have a long future ahead of them and are also, like, currently better than Fields. And, and the types of quarterbacks... Fields aspires to be as good as like those teams have better quarterback situations than the Bears. No one and I'm not here. No one's here to say the Bears have the best quarterback flexibility in the, in the NFL between Fields and the draft picks, but more so to say they're in a good spot quarterback wise. They've got a guy that they like. They've got some options in case the guy that they like ultimately doesn't pan out. And not every team has both. Some teams have options in case their current quarterback doesn't pan out, but they don't really like the guy they have. Some teams really like the guy they have, but don't really have an option if they don't pan out. The Bears have a little bit of that flexibility with with both. With both. And other teams, you know, think like the New York Jets, right? They have that short-term quarterback situation cleared up with, with Aaron Rodgers, but don't have a really long-term option for after this year, after next year, when Aaron Rodgers is, is no longer going to be their quarterback. You know, the Minnesota Vikings don't have a great long-term plan. It doesn't feel like for after Kirk Cousins. Like, yeah, this year they drafted uh, Jaron Hall in the fifth round, but that's not a, it's not a long-term, he's your heir apparent quarterback with the Minnesota Vikings. So like some of these teams with older QBs might not have a, a super, super solid long-term plan. The Los Angeles Rams also in particular stand out as a team there. So quarterback wise, the bears are, the bears are good. And when we talk about three to five years, they've got, they've got their T's crossed and their I's dotted. But then you add that to the draft capital that they've built up salary cap flexibility that they built up and the young talent that they already have on the roster. And you start to be able to make a case as far as like a five-year plan goes that the bears are in a very good long-term position, maybe not best in the NFL, but better than a lot of other teams trying to build themselves up into being a contender. We'll take a closer look and, and compare draft capital and, and salary cap space a little bit more for the bears to every other team in the NFL next on locked on bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. 
the makers of the world's best tasting protein bars. You got to try them because they're the perfect delicious snack that isn't loaded with all the sugar and calories that make you feel like crap. To me, Built Bars taste like candy bars. I eat one literally every single day. I've got raspberry flavored Built Bars in my pantry right now, slowly running out and need to get some more here very, very soon. But Built Bars are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. We're talking 17 grams of protein for only 130 calories and four grams of sugar. You can't find a protein bar product, anything like this that tastes this good and is this good for you. It's covered in 100% real chocolate. Like it's, it's actual chocolate and it's good for you. I don't really fully understand how they do it, but I cannot recommend it enough. You can find all their amazing flavors at built.com or you can get them even faster in person at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you head over by the pharmacy section where they keep the protein bars at Walmart, you can pick yourself up a four bar box of their cookies and cream bar, their double chocolate bar, or their coconut puffs. And if you happen to be close to a Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13 bar box of two of my all-time favorite flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. With Built Bars, tasting is believing, so you gotta get some for yourself, because trust me, you'll thank me later. We knew entering this season, the Bears were in control of the offseason with the number one overall pick at the start of the year and the most draft, or the most cap space of any team in the NFL. But that flexibility was not just limited to the 2023 offseason here, especially with the trade down from the Carolina Panthers and just the way the Bears have approached their contracts. They will continue to have draft capital over the next few seasons, and they will continue to have significant salary cap space over the next few seasons to give them the kind of flexibility and capability to acquire premium players in the draft via trade or in free agency, depending on who becomes available in those venues. So in terms of draft capital, right, we know that when the Bears traded down from one to nine with the Carolina Panthers, they acquired the Panthers future first round pick for 2024 and then their 2025 second round pick in addition to DJ Moore and you know the whole the whole package that came as a result of that deal. So you look at the 2024 draft in terms of who's got the most draft capital that year. I again come back to the Arizona Cardinals as being the team that has the most draft capital for next year's draft. I think A, they're going they're both of their picks as we said are probably going to be higher than either of the Bears picks. The Cardinals and the Texans have the two lowest odds for the Super Bowl next year. They're expected to be by odds makers at FanDuel the two worst teams in football that's on paper, perhaps one or both of them could overachieve and the bears could have better draft picks. But as it stands right now, they're projected to have the number one and number two overall picks in the draft. That's never happened before. I don't, at least not in the modern era. I don't think it's going to be exactly the case, but regardless, those two Cardinals first round picks will likely be more valuable than the two bears first round picks. The bears then have that extra second round pick, which helps, but the Cardinals have two extra third round picks that in this, in this, next year's draft from other draft trades that they've done. But then the Bears got an extra fourth from moving from nine to 10 with the Eagles, a fourth round pick in this year's draft. So the Bears, you know, the Bears have an extra two and an extra four. The Cardinals have two extra threes, but the Cardinals also have one, uh, you know, better first round draft picks on paper than the Bears first round draft picks next season. So I certainly could entertain an argument that the Bears draft capital is better than the Cardinals, but I think the Cardinals are probably slightly ahead, but that's it. No other team is quite in the mix there as far as like having significant enough draft capital to compete with 
where the Bears are. The Packers could have two first round picks because of the Aaron Rodgers trade, it being a conditional first round pick, but you know, they're not they're not gonna be nearly as high of draft picks and they don't have the same sort of later round picks as a result of that. If we start to stretch it out another year into 2025, because at, at up to this point, no 2026 picks have been able to be traded yet. So none of them have been traded. But the Bears got the Panthers 2025 second round pick. That is the highest pick in 2025 that has been traded by any teams. A couple of third round picks in 2025 have been traded and some fourth and fifth round picks or whatever. But the Bears are the only team to have added a future second round pick or first round pick in 2025. They have the most 2025 draft capital then as a result. So most in 2025, second most in 2024. Collectively then, does that then make they give them the best long-term draft capital of any team in the NFL? I think so. You know, it's not not far and away above the Cardinals, but they're loaded, right? They've got extra picks in the next two drafts, extra early extra picks. Yeah, other teams have four fifth-round picks or four seventh-round picks or whatever. We're not talking about total number of draft picks. We're talking about value of draft picks that they have. The Bears have extra top 64 draft picks in the next two drafts, including two extra top 64 draft picks next year. So that's really setting them up well to continue to build the long-term foundation of this franchise. As far as salary cap space goes, we don't know exactly what next year's salary cap, the actual like hard number will be. That's always set, what is it, like a month or whatever or a few weeks before free agency and the new league year starts. It's based on TV contracts and, and you know other revenues that have come in. I don't know exactly the formula there. But you could also just look at how much money the Bears have spent those are already locked in the, the amount of salary they've allocated on future years of contracts. And so when you project that out based on cap space, the bears next season will have the third most projected cap space behind the Texans and the Patriots. They currently still have the most cap space right now to sign players this year, to sign contract extensions this year, et cetera. Then they'll have the third most next year and the fifth most in 2025. So they've got built-in salary cap flexibility over the next few seasons. That might change. Those rankings might change, will change. If the Bears hand a contract extension to Cole Komet, if the Bears hand a contract extension to Darnell Mooney, if the Bears hand a contract extension to Jalen Johnson. Those are kind of the big three names that could be long-term deals. Or if there's still a trade or a free agent signing in the books, that could be a multi-year deal between you know, now and next offseason. Those are all within the realm of possibility there to change the salary cap numbers. But still, good salary flexibility, perhaps the most draft capital of any team over the next two years, and certainly the second most draft capital of any team next year, gives the Bears a lot of different opportunities to continue to upgrade this roster on top of all the young talent they already have. And that's the other key part of this. Yes, salary cap space and draft picks are all hypothetical talent. But what about the talent that they have now that will then still be here three to five years from now or be part of the three to five year plan, assuming contract extensions and everything ultimately play out? That's what I want to dive into a little bit more closely on this roster, where they're set and where they still need some long-term building blocks. Next on Locked on Bears. There's not a great way to just take the Bears roster and compare it one-to-one -one with every roster across the NFL when it, when it comes to like long-term ability. And I'm, and I'm not here to say the Bears are certainly like the best long-term roster in the NFL. Like I think as long as Patrick Mahomes is a Kansas City Chief, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender for the next, you know, 
three, five plus years. And same with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills and probably Joe Burrow and the Bengals, right? Like, yes, no one's going to sit here and argue that the Bears are better off. They have a better three to five year plan ahead of them than those teams that have the truly elite of the elite young quarterbacks in the NFL. We can't say that definitively yet about the Chicago Bears and with, with Justin Fields. So I want to make that clear. I'm not coming out here to say every team should be jealous of where the Bears are because the Bears are so set for the future. No, the Chiefs should stay where they, you know, the Chiefs would rather be the Chiefs. The Eagles would probably rather be the Eagles right now. The Bills would rather be the Eagles. But this all came up actually in our Locked On Podcast Network group chat where, you know, the Cardinals guy from um, Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals was kind of going back and forth with Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers. And Clancy said, oh, I'd rather take the Cardinals five-year plan than the 49ers five-year plan where they they keep swapping quarterbacks and are trying to figure out who the long-term guy is there and kind of this weird Shanahan-y window there. And that's what sparked this idea for me that, you know, would teams like, you know, not the big-time contenders, but among the non-big-time contending teams, like would you rather be where the Minnesota Vikings are right now or where the Bears are right now, where the Vikings are probably going to win more games this season and perhaps go to the playoffs farther this season. But you really feel like two or three years from now, the Vikings are going to be in some deep trouble. Like they don't have, like long-term here, what's their plan at quarterback? What's their capital going to look like? How, how might that work? Like all, or, or like the Steelers, right? With, with Kenny Pickett and some assets, but like versus Justin Fields and all the assets the Bears have, or teams like the Titans or even the Jaguars. I mean, the Jaguars, the Jaguars are probably a team that's ahead of the Bears here in terms of they went worse to first. They've got their quarterback. They're working their way through this. But there's a lot of teams in the NFL that might rather be where the Bears are, despite being a team in Chicago that went won three games last season. Like teams that won more games than the Bears last year might rather be where the Bears are in terms of long-term assets planning and strategy. And so looking at the roster as it stands now is not the best measurement of like comparing, okay, would you rather be the Bears or the Rams? Would you rather be the Bears or the Cardinals? It's not a it's not a great one-to-one like team comparison because different situations that the teams have been in and with the players and the systems and stuff. But the way I wanted to look at it more was like, okay, across the board, the Bears have, a, most of the positions have some sort of like, decent short-term option and a decent long-term option. Like they've got starting caliber players now that you feel okay about, and you've got rookies or relatively young players that are also developing that can be part of that long-term option. So like quarterback, right? Justin Fields, young player developing. We already talked about the quarterback position and the long-term and the short-term viability there. Running back, you know, you've got Foreman on a one-year deal as a, as a pretty surefire guy, you know, Cleo Herbert has played really well in the NFL, but is younger, but not locked in long-term. And then you've got Roshan Johnson drafted in the fourth round this year, who can be a long-term piece for you at the running back position. At wide receiver, you've got three to five years of DJ Moore locked in on your team of, of high-level wide receiver play. You, you'll, you, you're expecting that Darnell Mooney will get a contract extension and be a three to five-year wide receiver for this Bears team right now. Chase Claypool, we don't know. But you've also then got Tyler Scott as like the long-term developer behind them. Bayless Jones trying to develop him long-term behind. Sure, you could have better long-term developing options there, but you're young at wide receiver and you're talented at wide receiver. It's not a position to be super concerned about. Tight end feels like a spot to me where given Cole Komet's lack of contract, you don't have the long-term thing locked in right now. Cole Komet can be a long-term tight end, but it's not locked in right now. You didn't draft a tight end this year. You haven't drafted a tight end since Cole Komet, I think, unless I'm forgetting like a late round pick in there. Rob, Bob Tanyan is here as a one-year deal right now, a short-term option there. You've got short-term options at tight end, but long-term, it's Cole Komet and some question marks. 
And even Cole Komet is not under contract long-term just yet. So that's a position where maybe the Bears aren't fully, fully set long-term with that like young player who's developing who can grow into a bigger role sometime down in the future. But you look at the offensive line. Braxton Jones, three to five years of left tackle development in there. And he's starting right now. Tevin Jenkins can be a three to five year left guard or offensive lineman somewhere on your team as it stands right now. Nate Davis is here on a three-year contract to play right guard. Maybe not a five-year guy, but a potential three-year guy. And then they drafted Darnell Wright in the first round at right tackle. Again, expecting to be a five-plus year guy here. Center is the one position you don't have the long-term answer on the, on their team right now. The one, at least on this offensive line, is that you don't have the long-term answer. You got Doug Kramer. You drafted in the sixth round last year, but I don't I, I don't count late-round picks here in this in this equation of like long-term guys developing like at least at least fourth round maybe at least fifth round but like sixth and seventh round picks don't tend to pan out and become starters so I don't count a sixth round pick here as like yes they've got the long-term future set at center no not set they have a long-term option but not the long-term option set at center the way that like Roshan Johnson looks like he's you're set at running back in the long term with a, a fourth round pick like that that can play above above what you might expect from a fourth round pick defensively, you know, certainly cornerback you're set long-term and short-term. You've got your starters now, but you've got a bunch of young players there. Three to five years. You're pretty locked in there. You just drafted two defensive tackles this year. You feel like three to five years of, of quality defensive tackle. They're under four-year contracts. Like you're developing players there. You've got some veterans there now linebacker. You just signed two free agents to multi-year deals, a three-year deal and a five-year deal. Plus Jack Sanborn can be a long-term developing player. Noah Sewell as well. Like you've got the short term and the long term pretty well okay at linebacker. Defensive end, mm, short term's not super well set. Long term, you know, you got Travis Gibson, you got Dominic Robinson, you have younger players and you sign these free agents like Demarcus Walker, I think was a three-year deal. And Rasheem Green was a, what, a one or a two-year deal. Like you got younger guys, but I don't think we feel good about the defensive end position really being set in the short or the long term. But there's there's still guys to like there, but it's just not set in a super confident way. And then the safety position is interesting because of course, Brisker at strong safety, you got another three years of him on his rookie contract. We're confident in him growing and developing. Eddie Jackson, we're confident in currently. There has been some ups and downs. He's still only 28. So you've got another good couple of years out of Eddie Jackson, at least. So like, does that count as a three? Is like, is Eddie Jackson part of your five-year plan? I don't know. Is he, he, he very well might be part of your three-year plan, Five years from now, he'd be 32. Is he going to still be a bear five years from now? I, I don't know. And you've got two seventh round picks behind them. You've got, but they're not like, again, I don't really count seventh round picks as like future starters that you're counting on to develop into future starters. So safety is a weird spot where it's like, yeah, they're, they're fine. Like no one's concerned about safety in 2023. No one's concerned about safety in 2024. Do we start having that conversation in 2025? Maybe, you know, that's, that's all I mean by the safety, not a concern, but just a, when we're talking about a three to five year plan, there's a, there, there are more question marks there than some of the other positions. And same thing with, and, and at linebacker too, there's some flexibility with TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds's contracts to where you could get out of them pretty quickly and need to change the linebacker position, but you're set to me. It's really like tight end center and defensive end feel the least like long-term secure on this roster everywhere else. You're either really set in the long term, or you have just minor questions, but aren't really super concerned, you know, wide receiver, free safety, maybe linebacker, stuff like that. So overall across the board, like the bears have young guys at almost every position. You've got short-term and long-term options at every position. It feels like 
There's young talent developing and there's roster flexibility plus salary cap space plus draft picks plus a plan at quarterback with a backup plan in there as well. Feels like a pretty good space to be in. Feels like the Bears have accounted for a lot of different things and built this team well for the long term, even if that has meant certainly sacrificing in the short term last season and maybe not being 100% long term or 100% short term Super Bowl push this year type thing. But this patient approach has positioned the Bears in a lot better spot in the three to five year window. We'd love to hear what you think about the long term approach for the Chicago Bears, how you feel about the youth and the talent development and the assets on this roster for the next three to five years. Let us know in the comments here on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel. Tweet us at Lockdown Bears or post in the Lockdown Bears Facebook group to keep the conversations going there. However you do it, just make sure that you hit the subscribe button on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you're keeping up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Come on back tomorrow and come on back next week. Come on back each and every day. Make us your, make us become an everyday or make us your everyday podcast here on Locked On Bears because that gives you an opportunity each and every day to bear down. <laughs>